Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. I'm glad you are here this morning. We're continuing on in a, a series where we're talking about faith, the, the absolute significance of faith. The Bible says without faith, Hebrews 11:6, it is impossible to please God. It didn't just say it was hard. It said you cannot please God apart from faith. Now faith is a noun, and it is also many times a verb. I mean, we walk by faith. Faith has an object. The object of faith is Christ. The basis of our faith is Christ's word. Faith is not just wishful thinking or positive thinking or wanting something to be so, so badly that we can actually enable it somehow to become so. That's not faith. Faith is our belief in what God has said. One of the great ways to uh, understand faith is that verse in Hebrews 13, or two verses actually, uh, verses five and six of Hebrews 13, where he says, God has said, God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, next verse, so that we may say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Connect those two thoughts together. Verse five, Hebrews 13, God has said. The next verse, so that we may say. What is faith? Faith is when I say what God has said. When I put my faith in what God has said. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I place my faith, the object of my faith in Christ, and I walk on faith, the principles of God's word, I'm then living my life by faith. And he says we walk by faith, not by, by sight. There's a lot of things that faith will enable us to do. We talked about how faith can help us to see the invisible, to hear the inaudible, to do the impossible. <laughs> There's a lot of things that faith will do. And when you make a connection with God, you make the connection with him through your faith, through your faith. You say, well, Bill, I don't think I have enough faith to reach God. Yeah, you do. In fact, in Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 12, verse three, the Bible, no, Romans 12, verse three, the Bible says God has dealt to everyone, everyone, the measure of faith. Not a measure, that might lead you to believe. God gives some people more faith than others. And then you'd think some people have a, you know, a better chance of living this life than you have. But the reality of it is we all start with the equal amount of faith. God has dealt to all of us the equal measure of faith. So it's what we do with our faith. In 1 Peter, he said, add to your faith. Now you're supposed to add to your faith. We're supposed to grow in our faith. And so the idea of this life of faith is the way whereby we connect with God. The, the, the picture that we've talked about through the series to try to help you comprehend what faith is as opposed to grace, grace is really on God's side. Grace is God's extension of his hand toward us. Uh, grace is God's favor toward us. I didn't do anything to deserve God's love and nor did you. Faith, uh, grace is God loving me in spite of me. Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, we talk about how Christianity is not behavior modification. In other words, God doesn't change a person so that he will love a person. 
He loves a person so that he might eventually change the person. So God loves us as we are. He loves us where we are. He loves who we are. He loves you just as you are. You don't get your act together and then come to Jesus. That's a disgrace to grace. God loves you just as you are. He will accept you. In fact, he said, Jesus said, those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Uh, the front door mat of the church, it should be the words of Jesus, whosoever will, <laughs> let them come. It's not a qualifier. It's not an examination to see if you're good enough to get in because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. None of us are good enough to get in. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, lest any of us should boast. So grace is when God reaches down. You're here this morning because of the grace of God. I woke up this morning because of the grace of God. Paul understood in him, in God, I live, I move, I have my being. I'm here, not, I'm here this morning because God gave me life to be here. I'll be on this earth as long as God continues to give me life. In him we live and move and have our being. I'll leave this earth one day because God chooses to withdraw life from me. So it's all about grace, it's all about grace. So grace is God's bringing of people to himself, the drawing of people to himself, the grace of God. Now, my response to that is where the connection is made. My response to that grace that is reaching out to me is faith. By faith, I reach out and take hold of his hand of grace. And when that connection is made, the Bible says we in that moment, according to Ephesians 1, we become a child of God and better, and not better, but as good as, but sealed unto the day of redemption. Meaning that connection that you and I have to our heavenly father is good unto the day of redemption. Meaning until the time in which we step into the presence of God, the day of redemption, when our redemption is fully known. That's why we talk a lot here about eternal security. I met with a precious lady this last week and she's not going to be here very long. She was concerned about the peace that she felt she needed in her soul. And so she asked, could, could you come and just talk with me? And absolutely. I visited with her a little bit and she recounted and I remembered how she had given her heart to Christ. Well, I was just a small child in my dad's church, but she made a commitment to Jesus Christ and followed his example of baptism as we've seen here this morning. She did that back in the 60s. Since that time in her walk with God, she's loved the Lord and she's always found great peace in her faith with God. But she said, now that I'm looking at the hard reality of not being here very much longer, she said, I, just, I guess I just need the assurance that I'm going the right direction when I go. She said, I wanna know I'm going up, she said, and not down. And I said, well, let's go back again and recount what you did back in the 60s when you said you received Jesus as your savior. And she said, yes, I know that I did that. I know that I prayed to receive that. I said, well, according to the word of God, Ephesians 1, you were sealed unto the day of redemption. Meaning all of your sins of the past, your sins of that present day, all the way the sin, anything you would commit to the day in which he calls you home, those sins were covered at the cross. You can't be unborn. Jesus said, you must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. You cannot be physically unborn, flesh is flesh. And then he said, that which is born of spirit is spirit, John three. You cannot be spiritually unborn. And then I reminded her of one of her children and I said, have they ever disobeyed you? She said, yes. Have they ever disappointed you? She said, yes. I said, 
have you ever disowned them for that? She said, no. And I said, well, if you love your kids that much, don't you think God loves you that much as well? And I said, you cannot, you cannot be unsaved. We talked about the ark a couple of weeks ago. People can fall in the ark, you couldn't fall out of it. <laughs> yeah, you can make mistakes, and yes, you can sin. And I know people, when I talk about that, said, oh, you're teaching people you have a license to sin if you have eternal security, and you can just sin all you want to. Well, here's what I know about eternal security. Once you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you can sin all you want to, but you know what he does? He changes your want to. <laughs> You don't enjoy it like you used to. You know why? Because you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? <laughs> it means he will convict you and he will bring about consequences as a result of my disobedience. That's why John said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, John didn't say you, your, he said we, our. If we confess our sin, he's talking to Christian people. He said, God then is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I, she, she said, well, man, that gives me so much peace knowing that in that moment when it comes time for me to leave, that I'm gonna be with the Lord. And I said, just based on God's word, don't, don't base that on Bill's word, base that on God's word. And I said, based on God's word, you're going to be with Jesus. You've done all anyone could ever do to know him. And so she had to recount that moment when her hand of faith touched God's hand of grace. And I would tell anyone, that's the most significant decision you'll ever make in life. I mean, church is important, and, and doing well is important, having a good career is important, and you know, living a good life, is, and all those things are important, but the only thing that will matter at the end of the day is what did you do with Jesus? You either receive him or you reject him. And the Bible says that those who uh, the Father has placed within his hand, he said no one can take them from his hand. And so it's a beautiful thought to think that I can connect with my creator through my faith, that I can be sealed into that relationship with him until the day in which he calls me home. And then in between that moment and the time he calls me home, God has a great plan and a great purpose for, for every life. God has a plan for your life. You're not an accident, you're, you're an incident. God plans you on purpose. You're not a wandering generality, you're a, 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 a specific. God has something very specific for you. I believe that so strongly that I think God's design for you is so unique that you bring a quality and you bring a, a capability to this earth that no one else has. God has so uniquely crafted you in that way. And one of the principles I'm gonna be talking to you about for a little while this morning is how you discover that and how you walk in that because God does have a purpose. He had a purpose for Abraham and Sarah. When you look at those great characters of Hebrews 11, and we've been kind of picking off a few of them and talking about them, what is consistently uh, true of all of them was God's purpose for their life, his plan for their life. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So think about seasons of life. We're in a season, a hot season right now. Don't you hate this heat? Anyway, we're in a hot season right now. Uh, but we'll, that season will soon end. You've been in Texas very long, you'll know that next week it may freeze. <laughs> it may snow. I mean, we, we just don't know. But the point we're, I'm making is life is seasonal. There are all kinds of seasons. Uh, and those seasons end. Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there is a season. And then he said this, and there's a time to every purpose under heaven. So life is seasonal, and in the seasons of life, God gives us time, and he gives us time for purpose. So you've got a purpose. 
and God will give you time to fulfill your purpose in all the seasons of your life. And so the important thing for us to do is discover the purpose. Well, why am I here? What does God desire for me to do? What is his plan for my life? And that was certainly the case with the characters we'll look at for a few moments this morning of Abraham and Sarah. How God had a design, he had a plan, he had a purpose for their life, and they pursued him with all their heart. In fact, look at Hebrews 11, look at verse eight. By faith, Abraham, he obeyed when he was called to go out into a place where he would receive as an inheritance, and so he, he, he went. He went out not really knowing where he was going. Have you noticed that a lot of times in life God won't consult you or ask your opinion about stuff? Uh, nor will he tell you what's coming around the next corner. Oftentimes in life, we just live it a day at a time, a step at a time. That's living by faith. Uh, and so here was Abraham. He said, okay, God, I know you got a plan. I know you have a purpose. I know you want to do something big in my life. It's okay, I'm all in. Sometimes people approach uh, God's purpose for their life this way. They say, God, show me what you want me to do and I'll think about it and get back to you once I've decided whether I'm gonna do it or not. The right approach, let me give you the right approach. The right approach is to say to God in prayer, Lord, my mind is made up. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever your plan is for my life, I'll follow it. That's exactly the faith you see here in these verses that Abraham had. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him with the same promise. For he waited for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, his wife Sarah, herself, who also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was way past age. He was 99 when they got pregnant. Can you imagine? Dear Lord. Because he judged him, here's why, he judged him faithful who had promised. He said, God, you promised this, and I know you're gonna fulfill it. So he believed in this, therefore, remember when you see the word therefore, look and see what it's there for, it'll connect what he just said to what he's about to say. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, way past childbearing, were born many as the stars of the sky and multitudes innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. He fulfilled his promise to Sarah. Age had nothing to do with the promise of God. Let me give you four quick thoughts and we'll go. Number one, look at his options. The key word is in verse eight. The Bible says when he heard God's plan for his life, he obeyed. He obeyed. What does that tell me? Abraham had options. He could have obeyed or disobeyed. And can I tell you this morning, you've got options. God won't put a gun out of heaven to force you to do anything. You've got options. And I'm telling you this morning that if you think you can beat God, when it comes to planning your life, your thinking is wrong. Remember this, God made you, he designed you, he gifted you, and you are never closer to discovering his purpose for you than when you connect with your creator. The best way to do it is connect with the creator. Say, okay, God, I need a relationship with you, hand of faith reaching, grabbing hand of grace, and now, God, that we have that connection, show me what you want me to do. And there's a principle of, of John 7, 17. Here's a principle. It says, if anyone wills, wills, has a will, to know God's will, he will show them his will. Uh, let me give you the paraphrased version of that, John 7, 17. If you have a will to know God's will, God will show you his will. <laughs> Did you follow that? 
If I will to know his will, he'll show me his will. He doesn't hide the ball. If I really wanna, do, wanna know what God wants me to do, he'll show you. Now, here's another principle. The best way to discover his will, specific will, is to do his general will. If you don't know what your career is supposed to be, if you don't know exactly the direction of your life, specifically, then do the general things you know to do. Honesty, work hard, be a good person, do good, be generous, be faithful, general things. Check all the general boxes. And as you check the general boxes, you'll begin to hone in on the specific thing. There'll be something that someone will point at you one day and say, you're good at that. You should do this. You'll be affirmed. Somebody will come alongside of you and say, wow, you're making a difference. So as I'm doing the general things that I know I should do, God will begin to reveal the more specific things that he would have me to do. I had a friend of mine, he told me one time, he said, Bill, I had to go to, to, uh, uh, I had to, go to Mexico as a missionary so that I would know that God didn't want me in Mexico as a missionary. <laughs> he said, I just didn't want to grow old thinking, I, I wish I'd tried that or I wish I'd done that. Well, I, I can tell you, sometimes it's that way. Sometimes you say, you know what, I think I want to work with people. Then you work with people and go, ooh, I don't think I want to work with people. <laughs> I may be a behind-the-scenes kind of person. I'm even more the detail guy, right? I mean, you, you begin to try to understand how God has wired you. There's a great book out called, it's been out for a while, but called Please Understand Me. And it's about trying to function in the area of your design and your gifts. You're never too old to shift gears and try something different. Life's too short to be miserable and unhappy in the career that you've chosen. And I know sometimes you have to do that because you have to pay the bills. But while you're doing the general things, be open to the specific things and to be looking at what God has for you specifically. You just may be in a season right now where what you're doing is working and necessary while God is preparing you for the next season of life. Uh, another principle of Psalm 37, the steps of a good person, steps are ordered by the Lord. He delights in their way. God says, good, I'm proud of you. Good, you go. And then he says, uh, though he fall, the Lord will uphold them because the Lord cares and loves for his own. Steps, steps, life's a series of steps. Now what at this point is you're taking steps in your career, in your life, what may look like a ceiling to you at this point today, if you'll continue to take steps, eventually will become your floor. I mean, when you were in third grade and you were faced with some taxing work, but once you got to fourth grade or fifth grade, you look back on the things that you nearly stumbled over in third grade and it doesn't look nearly as challenging. Keep taking steps. Keep moving progressively through your faith and what you'll find is the things that look daunting and impossible to you today, if you'll continue to partner with God and take those steps, won't look nearly as challenged to you later because you're, you're moving and you're growing and you're, and you're growing in your faith. And you see this man, Abraham and Sarah, they knew God had a purpose, so they just chose to obey. They just chose to walk by faith, even though they didn't understand how it was all going to work out, which is my second thought, their optimism. Their optimism. Someone as well said, it is your attitude, not your aptitude, that will determine your altitude. Every pilot in the room will tell you the attitude of a plane determines its altitude. And they were optimistic. Now they weren't perfect, as well I'll talk about in a moment, but, but they were optimistic. They, they just knew, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I know it's gonna work. I don't know when God's gonna come through, but I know he's gonna come through. I know this about God, he cannot fail. 
I can't tell you the times I've reminded God of that in my own prayer life. I've said, God, I have confidence in you because you cannot fail. It's not possible for him to fail. It, 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 so it's not in his nature. And once God has promised, he's able to perform it. Now, now, here's the thing that you have to keep optimistic about. In their case, when you look at the promise of God to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, it's chapter 16, and he hasn't seen it work out yet. And the significance of those chapters is it's about a dozen, it's about 12, 10, 12 years. Now, just because God's giving you a desire and a passion to pursue something doesn't mean you're gonna find success in it right away. It may take a year, it may take two, it may take three. But if God has promised you and he's put that desire in, his, in your heart and he's confirmed that in your life, God will not fail you. You see, here's what I believe about how God works. I believe God works in a sense of timing, timing. We work in time. We look at the clock, everything we do is according to time. We try to start on time and end on time. We look at our calendar. God doesn't work that way. He's bigger than time. He works with timing, a sense of timing. He's just saying, it's happening, but not yet. You're not ready. He doesn't want you to go up like a rocket and come down like a rock. He may not be saying no. He just may be saying not yet. You're not quite there. You're not quite ready. So what do you do? You stay optimistic. You continue to trust him. You continue to have faith in him because he can't fail because he won't fail. <laughs> and you just say, God, I know you've promised and I'm walking in obedience to you. So God, I, I just, I want to stay upbeat. I want to stay optimistic and I want to keep my faith in place because I know eventually you're gonna bring this to fruition. So he had options, he had optimism. Thirdly, he had opposition. He had opposition. The laws of, uh, what, the laws of physics prove anything that moves has friction. I mean, anything that moves has friction. Um, Paul Harvey used to say, you know you're on the road to success if it's uphill all the way. Paul, Paul said this in, in 1 Corinthians. He said, there's a great and effectual door open unto me. And then he said, but there are many adversaries. Here's what I know about open doors. Doors of opportunities will always swing on hinges of opposition. A great opportunity is all, always accompanied by opposition. You're just gonna have that friction. The devil sees the potential and he'll do all he can to discourage you and he'll do all he can to stop you. So stay optimistic, regardless of the opposition. And sometimes, guys, the biggest opposition and the biggest difficulty we face will be our own, our own, um, our own doubts and fears. When you study the story of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was his biggest problem, just staying on top of him. Can I tell you, my biggest problem is me. I have a full-time job keeping me spiritual. <laughs> I know that may shock you, but I really do. I, I really don't wake up every morning uh, always with a desire to read the Bible. I know that, again, I don't want to scare you, but sometimes I do it out of a sense of discipline. I'm a pastor, but I've never had a cacophony of angels in the bedroom going, well, good morning, Bill. <laughs> Glad you're up. No. No, sometimes I, I, I read the scripture, I'll, I'll, I'll prop myself up in the bed and I'll pull up my phone and I'll pull up a passage and I'll read through that. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just my discipline. And, and, and sometimes you do what you do because you're disciplined to do it because you know it's the right thing to do. So sometimes that's just what you have to do. You have to overcome the biggest <laughs> opponent that you face in life and sometimes it's your own hesitancy and your own um, um, unwillingness to continue to pursue the thing God's put in your heart. 
Abraham had to overcome that. Sometimes we are our biggest enemies. If I had time and I don't, but we could explore Genesis 12 and we could look again in Genesis 20 where Abraham lied two times about his wife, Sarah, and said, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Now, when I read that, she must have been a good-looking woman because Pharaoh spotted her and Abraham was afraid that Pharaoh would kill him to take her because he had the power to do it. Don't you like the ethics of the leaders of that day? They wouldn't just come in and try to steal your spouse. Oh, no, that'd be wrong. They killed you first. (laughs) Oh, ethics, I get it now. So he had Pharaoh that he was afraid would try to steal her because she was so good looking. And then later on, you had this evil king, same thing. Now they weren't threatening to steal his wife, but he thought they were, so he lied. What's my point? My point is you can have great faith, but your faith is still going to be imperfect. You and I are gonna have an imperfect faith. There there are gonna be days when you blow it. There are gonna be moments when you just, you you know, you're not on your game. You're gonna go two steps forward and three steps back. There's nobody in the Bible that lived a perfect life that had perfect faith. In fact, in the Bible, there are good examples of good examples and there's good examples of bad examples. Abraham was both. And I can point out instances in his life when he was a good example of a bad example, but here's what I love about him. He just didn't give up. God loved him, he had a purpose for him, he stayed positive about the thing God was doing in his life, and he just didn't quit. And the last thing I'd give you before we go is we look at his opportunity. His opportunity. He had an opportunity to change the world. And today, the people of Israel came out of Abraham, out of his faith. God did multiply his children as the sands of the sea. We still talk about Abraham. In fact, two great religions came out of Abraham, one out of some disobedience on his part, Ishmael, where Islam has its roots. They look at Abraham as the father of their religion, Islam, as well as as, uh, uh, the Hebrew faith. So I'm just suggesting to you that Abraham was an incredible, substantial individual, but he was one man, one man, who had a deep faith in God, who never quit, and God used the man to change the world. I heard a statement one time when I was a kid and it just stuck stuck with me. It said, it is yet to be seen what God could do in and through one person totally committed to him. I thought about that. Wow, that's so true. Somebody is the key to the cure for cancer. Somebody is the key for the next great invention that might change our world. You think about how individuals have been used in profound ways to change so many lives of people. The potential that people possess is enormous. And so I'm just saying, man, when you have a faith in your creator and you believe God has placed you here with a destiny, with a purpose, it's easy to pursue him passionately and say, God, I don't wanna mail it in. I wanna discover that, I wanna make a difference, I want my life to make a difference in the lives of someone else, and I wanna make a difference for you. What an incredible, think about the potential of a church with a group of us getting together to say, hey, Let's do what we can to help people that are hurting. Let's do what we can to make a difference in our world. It is yet to be seen what God could do in and through a church like that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we've had to honor teachers, celebrate baptism, to experience and engage in worship, and then to open your word and look at this huge story 
and find some practical principles from it that might help us be better in our life today and this week. So I pray for the families, the individuals here. I pray for all the businesses represented here that you give people just good success. I pray this will be a good week, an effective week. Watch over all who are here today and those watching online. Bless them, Lord, in incredible ways. Father, I, I pray for those who may not have trusted you as Savior. They may never have put their faith in you, that this might be that day when they just humble their heart right where they are, right in this moment, and just say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.